This was truly the most complete game we saw Penn State play this season. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube now. That's right. We are posting to YouTube. All you got to do is search Locked on Nittany Lines, hit the subscribe button. Also hit the bell so that you can get notifications. And I encourage you, anytime you watch one of the videos, the episodes, hit the thumbs up button, hit the like button. It helps me out and Locked on Nittany Lines a ton. As always, I'm your host, Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me. This is the takeaway episode, and this is going to be obviously a resounding review of this Penn State team beating Rutgers 55 to 10. It was the most complete game, as I have mentioned already to open up this episode. Uh, But I have eight takeaways for you, as always. uh, After every single game, the Monday episode is going to be devoted to just simply what what could we take away from this game? Uh, both good and the bad, the neutral, the good, the bad, the ugly. There wasn't a lot of ugly in this unless it was on Rutgers side of things. Uh, but I'll give you two segments, uh, four takeaways in each, and we'll finish up the show with just some housekeeping things, news and notes for Penn State football. Uh, they get ready to finish the season 10 and two against Michigan State. We got a kickoff uh, where they rank now in the polls and much more. Also some news on the recruiting front. Uh, Interesting changes coming for the class of 2023. Uh, So let's go right into the takeaways. Takeaway number one is, in fact, yes, Penn State truly played its most complete game of the season. It came against Rutgers, but nevertheless, it was a complete game. You had defensive touchdowns. Kobe King, fumble recovery for a touchdown. Jair Brown, fumble recovery for a touchdown. Ah, Johnny Dixon almost had a pick six. That would have been a third one, but they called it back on a penalty. Uh, they still kept they the turnover still stood, but uh, Penn State was not going to have that third defensive touchdown. But they did have a special teams touchdown. It was about time, and something that uh, I did give Rutgers credit for was how talented their special teams unit was. Uh, this is a group that, for the most part, is disciplined mostly on the defensive side. Uh, where they are able to block kicks, block punts. They they do it frequently. They just get pressure uh, when it comes to that phase. However, they opened up a huge running lane. You probably could have driven a Mack truck through it, Nicholas Singleton, 100 yards to the house. Uh, And that opened up the scoring for Penn State. So you had defensive pressure all day long and the touchdowns. You, uh, You had multiple defensive touches. The defense by themselves beat Rutgers. The special teams, not quite, but uh, the defense and the special teams together. Uh, I hope you picked them up off of waivers on your fantasy football team because three scores by the group uh, is going to get you a lot of fantasy points. Um, And the offense was able to close the game. Uh, Even though they started off very slow, they, they finished the game strong, and that's something that really wasn't signature about the past few Penn State teams, 2020, 2021. But now they have that capability to run the clock out, control the pace of the game, dictate on Penn State's terms. 
Uh, and the offense did just that, even though they weren't firing on all cylinders um, and based on who was available and who was not uh, certainly impacted that. But 55 overall points, uh, the defense and special teams helped out with that. And the offense did what it had to do on the road. Uh, also, a part of this complete game is the fact that they were able to overcome that slow start on the road. Uh, so even just from a coaching standpoint, uh, progression of the game, uh, forget the three phases of the football. How about that other side, the X's and O's of it? Penn State actually performed very well there. Uh, again, it was Rutgers, but uh, Penn State to do all of that against a Big Ten team, a Power Five team is pretty impressive. Uh, takeaway number two here, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen have the chance to be the best running back duo in Penn State history. Okay, so there's a lot of ways that uh, this can go because – I know, and please comment under YouTube or comment wherever you get your podcasts if you can. Uh, if there is a better running back duo than Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton. And it, it's very, now, let me give you an example here. Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders technically are not a running back duo. Sure, they were in the room together. Sure, they shared the field at times, but... They never really uh, played alongside each other, complimentary like this. I, I would say the next best was Journey Brown and Noah Kane, where you had a direct split of responsibilities of carries, where you have a one-two punch. Find me a better one-two punch than Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen when it comes to Penn State running backs. You had a lot of them, a lot of great singular running backs. Saquon Barkley on his own, Kurt Warner on his own, on his own, John Capaletti on his own. I, I know the history, Larry Johnson, uh, Kajana Carter. I could spend a whole episode just naming running backs in Penn state history and their legacy, Franco Harris, another one. Uh, but in terms of a one, two punch on any given Saturday, that is Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. So find me a better one, uh, up to that point. I mean, Nicholas Singleton, even though he had a solid game rushing, uh, almost seven yards per carry with nine touches uh, for 62 rushing yards. Didn't have the rushing touchdown, but he had the 100-yard kickoff return. Uh, it was Katron Allen's day out of the backfield with 11 carries, 117 yards, and the rushing touchdown. So uh, this was a balanced performance because you had both Singleton and Allen uh, score in this game. I'm still waiting because my bold prediction was that both of them go over 100 yards rushing together each. And they still haven't done that yet. So we have yet to see that. But they're setting a lot of records. They're setting a lot of Big Ten milestones as well uh, and collecting everything they can in sight. And they still have a couple more games to do that. Just as freshmen, they are only going to get better with another offseason. Uh, and when they come in as true sophomores next year, it's going to be hard to match the production they're going to put together. Takeaway number three, and it's another impressive freshman, and that is Abdul Carter. Abdul Carter is better than Micah Parsons at this point when you compare the two. Okay, I know what Micah Parsons is doing in the NFL. He's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year or at least be in contention for it. I know what he does with the Dallas Cowboys. But if you compare the two on their journey, on their road through Penn State, Abdul Carter is much more successful than Micah Parsons at this point. And that's just the case. Now, Carter just looks so much mature at the position, understands the game. And it's not that Micah Parsons didn't, but when he was coming out of high school, he converted from defensive end to this off-ball linebacker position. 
And that takes a lot, especially when you're moving back from the line of away from the line of scrimmage. Guys who move down closer into the box from safety to linebacker, linebacker to defensive end, it's actually an easier transition. So the fact that Micah Parsons did that and was as successful uh, as he was at Penn State, still, uh, Abdul Carter has taken this position by storm as a true freshman. You could see uh, Micah Parsons just struggled a little bit and didn't have as much, much production. You saw the growing pains. It, it's very hard to see that with Abdul Carter at this point in time. If you look at Carter's high school tape, like where does this come from, right? Where does this performance by Carter, were there any indicators of this? Uh, not necessarily, uh, if you look at his high school film, he was a solid linebacker and, and deserved the prospect rating that he got when he was in the class of 2022, but never did he have to do this kind of stuff. And he wasn't asked to do all these different things in high school and defenses aren't as complicated uh, as they are at the collegiate and NFL level. But the fact that Carter has done this much and looked as poised and has been as successful as he has that's pretty impressive uh, at, at this point. Um, he's just executing all the plays. He's doing everything they asked him to. He doesn't look lost. He doesn't look out of sorts. Uh, he just continues to respond. Every time you say, I dare you to cross this line, and he does. Uh, I am not saying that Carter is better than Micah Parsons, but if you take the two as true freshman, true freshman Micah Parsons and true freshman Abdul Carter, Abdul Carter is above what Micah Parsons was able to uh, as an output on the field. Takeaway number four, and this will conclude our first segment here. Uh, James Franklin gets his 100th career win, and it's something I've already pointed out. This is the best coaching job that Coach Franklin has done uh, in his nine years at Penn State. Uh, he's 151 all-time coaching, and that's between Vanderbilt and Penn State now. But in these nine years, and I know he has the Big Ten Championship, the Rose Bowl appearance, the, the Cotton Bowl win, the Fiesta Bowl win, but it, it's hard to argue with all of the talent, the consistency he had on the coaching staff at that point in time that he didn't really have to do as much. Okay, and that's why I'm saying this is his best coaching job. You have a new defensive coordinator and a brand new system after uh, consistency with Brent Pry, and he goes to Virginia Tech. Uh, you're making an effort to get your future in. Drew Aller, the five-star quarterback, making sure that he is prepared. You make a conscious effort to get him into the ball game, <laughs> even though uh, you it, it's going along with a lot of the criticism that uh, Drew Aller's not getting enough playing time, but Penn State is making a conscious effort to get him in and build for that next season or and two uh, for Drew Aller's development. And just recruiting and preparing all these freshmen to play right away, play successfully, Abdul Carter, Singleton, Allen, uh, Zane Durant is getting more leeway. You see guys like KJ Winston get into the ball game. I mean, all these guys are going to be back next year and they're going to be so good and so well prepared. And they're doing this not as, oh, this is their third year in the program. They're finally breaking out. They're breaking out as true freshmen. May I remind you, let's throw Drew Shelton, the left tackle. I know that he wasn't starting because Olu Fashionu got hurt, but he's coming to the game and he's responded very well. So that's a testament to James Franklin. That's a testament to the coaching staff as a whole, just how they develop these guys. And that's why out of the nine years at Penn State, this is Franklin's best coaching season uh, under his belt. 
My name is Zach Seiko. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Four more takeaways are coming up next. Today's episode is sponsored by Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but you've been putting it off, you're going to want to listen up. Right now, Locked On Nittany Lions listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. That is right, 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you don't want to miss it. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report, a third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agent use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify a threat is real so you can get priority police response. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day. And that's less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. Don't miss your chance to save on the only security system we recommend at Locked On. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so do not wait. That is simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Welcome back. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, go check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Comment, uh, anything, feedback, questions. I want to answer your questions in upcoming episodes. I'd love to get your feedback. Also like the episode that you are watching, subscribe and turn on the bell for notifications. So you get alerted whenever I post a new video, uh, back into the takeaways. I gave you my first four. Here are the second group and takeaway. Number five is just this defense is unreal. Um, again, granted it was against Rutgers, but you almost had another program setting performance 15 tackles for loss, just short of the 16, could have tied it. Uh, you had four sacks. I said they were going to get about five or more, so four is pretty good. But when you have nearly three defensive touchdowns, I mean, that just shows your utter dominance. Uh, Manny Diaz and company were just able to confuse Gavin Winsat, the Rutgers starting quarterback. He's young. He's inexperienced. Uh, Rutgers doesn't really have all the talent to bail him out. And I give, I give Rutgers a lot of credit. They had a game script that they were running very effectively. However, it's Rutgers. It's the talent. Uh, they're lacking a lot of things. They, they fired coaches in the middle of this season. They let go of the offensive coordinator one in particular. Uh, so Gavin Winsat doesn't have a lot of help, uh, but he showed flashes. He, so he showed comfortability early in the game, but what happens when Rutgers gets off that game script uh, and Penn state's defense uh, really dictated the entire game. Uh, why the offense didn't really have to do as much is because the defense uh, did everything. Uh, they ate Rutgers breakfast, lunch, and dinner in that game, uh, and it showed just uh, how good Manny Diaz has been to this team, how much he's meant to this program. Uh, and in the final segment, I'm going to talk about why Manny Diaz is that much more important with the future of this team. Takeaway number six, and I guess we've kind of talked about it here in takeaway number five, and that is the fact that Rutgers is just not a good football team. Uh, Greg Schiano, I actually really respect him, and no, it's not because he was a former Penn State assistant. 
However, uh, Rutgers is just outmatched in every phase of the game, uh, whether that's coaching to position group, head-to-head battles, uh, except for punter. I I will give the punting unit credit. Uh, Their punter actually did set a record on Saturday. Uh, But outside of that, they they really they have to stick to a strict game plan because they can't overwhelm you in any way. They need a lot of breaks to go. I mean, just look at nothing seemed to go right for Penn State's offense on Saturday until they finally got going. It was 28 to 10. And then you had that comfortable you had that comfortable lead at halftime. Um, I I think back to the punt where uh, I think it was Alex Baquetta was in for some reason. Barney Amore was not in. Then he came out and he just dropped a dime inside the five. But that's besides the point. Alex Baquetta comes in and he drops the punt. He muffs it before he can even kick it away. And Rutgers recovers it. Well, they had a penalty offset that. And Penn State was able to get away and continue the drive and whatnot. Disciplined teams would have been able to take advantage of that. And so you just have to see how many mistakes were made in that game. And Rutgers wasn't able to capitalize. And they lost the way they did. Uh, With the amount of Penn State mistakes that the Nittany Lions had, you have to think that that result would be closer. But it wasn't because Rutgers is just not that good of a team. There's at the end of the day, there's just too much talent on Penn State's side, and frankly, a lot of other opponents that Rutgers plays. Even though they've beaten the likes of uh, Indiana, Boston College, so they're not completely abysmal, but they're certainly not on the any anywhere near the level of Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Takeaway number seven, uh, and we got a couple more here. Parker Washington's injury. Uh, does impact the offense a lot more than meets the eye. Uh, I'm not saying that is why they necessarily struggled to move the football initially, but there is a lot to get used to because he does so much out of the slot position. Uh, James Franklin did say uh, that he would share the news in Tuesday's weekly press conference as far as if he'll be back or not. I, let's let's chalk it up to Twitter here. Twitter says that uh, Parker Washington had a broken foot. Uh, that hasn't been confirmed. That is strictly a rumor at this point in time, and I cannot confirm it from what I've heard, and I've asked around uh, people that are close to the team, reporters. Uh, we just know that it, he didn't travel with the team, so he obviously wasn't going to play in the game, and there were rumors going back to last Wednesday that uh, he had sustained a broken foot and that James Franklin would eventually address it. Uh, He usually waits till the weekly press conference to share season-ending injuries. So I feel bad for Parker Washington, uh, but that's what I mean. Parker Washington does so much for this Penn State offense, even though he's technically not the number one receiver. And there's a lot more to unpack from that. And, And maybe I can explain that more. I have in other episodes, but uh, there's uh, there's so much I can get to uh, in this one. But Parker Washington uh, is the best receiver on this team, despite not being the number one, because he is the Y receiver. He is the slot receiver uh, in Penn State system. It's that Jahan Dotson position, the Z wide receiver that Mitchell Tinsley was brought in for because Parker Washington's more comfortable in the slot. He's more natural. Keandre Lambert Smith certainly wasn't going to convert over from the X wide receiver to the Z. So they found somebody that Mitchell Tinsley has that experience and that comfortability can run those option routes. And that's why he's there. But in this offense, it is the Z wide receiver that is technically the number one, even though I would argue that Washington uh, is the better, uh, even though Tinsley's as talented as he is. But what does Parker allow Penn State's offense to do? Well, it allows them to stretch the field horizontally, meaning that they can go to the outside on any given time. He forces defenses and along with the tight ends, this is a big help 
to really focus into the middle. And that allows Penn State, for example, to have those boundary bubble screens that are so successful. That is because Parker Washington gets a lot of attention in the slot, whether it's safety help, uh, a lack of, of moving, maybe a more talented boundary corner inside to pay attention to Parker Washington. Uh, he allows Penn State to have all of the field rather than it be condensed. And it showed it really showed against Rutgers because Penn State wasn't allowed to be as flexible in the horizontal aspect of the field. They, they really had to uh, focus on the middle. Mitchell Tinsley moved inside. That's how they had to adjust, and he did He did well. He, lead the, he led the team in receptions. He led the team in yards. Uh, Trey Wallace had a solid game. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, a little underwhelming, had only three receptions for nine yards. Uh, but it showed that Parker Washington was missing against a better opponent. It would have been a little more glaring, but uh, once again, <laughs> it was Rutgers. Uh, so they were able to get away with it. But Parker Washington does add an extra element to this offense that they will need against Michigan State. And they will need for a bowl game and uh, any hypothetical matchup because you are going to play a top 10 team. And perfect segue into my last takeaway. Number eight is my bowl. My personal bowl projection has not changed. Uh, I think they will end up in the orange bowl against North Carolina or Clemson. Uh, and this has to do uh, for a variety of reasons. No, this isn't because this is necessarily the best matchup that I think that Penn state could draw, but I think it, it has a lot to do with, can we sell tickets? Can we draw TV ratings? Can we get the most out of this? And, and that's the Orange Bowl. Penn State hasn't been to Miami since 2005. It's been 17 years. And the Orange Bowl is going to be calling them. The way these bowl games have set up, if you've watched or listened to previous episodes, you'll know this explanation. But Penn State uh, isn't going to get a, invited to a bowl that they've been to recently. So uh, unless they are the best team remaining, it's almost like a draft. It's almost like the NFL draft where each bowl committee gets to select. After the college football playoff, they get to pick and choose who they want and based on who the NCAA has set aside. So let's look at the Orange Bowl. That is a Big Ten versus ACC matchup, and the Orange Bowl is going to have one of the first selections. You mean to tell me after one of Ohio State and Michigan is in the college football playoff, the other Big Ten team is in the Rose Bowl, whoever that loser is. I think it's Michigan, but that's besides the point. Michigan goes to the Rose Bowl. Orange Bowl is going to be on the clock. They're going to select Penn State as that Big Ten team, and then it's an, it's either of Clemson and North Carolina, and I will do more due diligence, but I don't really have a read as far as who Penn State will play uh, in that game. If you do want to see that entire bowl schedule, I have to give a shout out to CBS sports. Uh, they are the ones that actually have it aggregated. So you can look and see, okay, uh, who's playing here, uh, which conference matchups, uh, will be. So then you can understand the selections. I don't have any insider information. That is strictly what the NCAA has set up and what, you know, just logically to sell tickets, to generate revenue, Penn State does not play Clemson very often. Penn State does not play North Carolina very often. Uh, Notre Dame could even factor in since they're kind of a pseudo ACC team. But uh, nevertheless, that's that's my personal projection because they could end up in the Rose Bowl. The Cotton Bowl is a possibility, but I don't think the Cotton Bowl will select them as an at-large team since they have the pick from anybody and Penn State just played there uh, a few years ago. Uh, it, it is by invite. Just remember that. 
Final segment of Locked On Nittany Lions. We'll finish up with some Penn State football news. The current ranking for the Nittany Lions in the AP Top 25 poll and the coaches poll. Plus, some surprising recruiting news is on the way as well. It is Locked On Nittany Lions. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be for the second week in a row. It is Nicholas Singleton and his 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown to open up the scoring for Penn State with eight minutes to go in the first quarter versus Rutgers. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Our final segment today on this Monday edition of Locked on Nittany Lines will be centered around Penn State football news. And, and I promise everyone, uh, I will give you an update on Penn State men's basketball and Penn State wrestling throughout the week. Penn State wrestling just came from the Black Knight Open. It is a tournament hosted by West up in West Point, New York, and Penn State did very well uh, sending its team up there. And Penn State men's basketball just got done with its own tournament, the Charleston Classic. Uh, and they did well, but there are some things to clean up for Micah Shrewsbury and its group, uh, particularly that game. We all saw them lose to Virginia Tech, but we will dive into that throughout the week as well. Penn State football, uh, they are now ranked number 10 and 11, but this time it's flipped. Normally, the AP Top 25 actually gives them a little more credit. This time, the coaches poll actually has Penn State ranked number 10, and the AP Top 25 has them at 11. I hate when they do this. They just can't be consistent. So now you got to see them as 10 slash 11 or 11 slash 10, whatever order you put it in. Uh, but they are number 10 in my mind. They're back in the top 10. Uh, I think that and now one of the reasons that they're not top 10 in the AP top 25 is because they have Tennessee at number nine. The way they got thumped by South Carolina, which is a good competitive team, but still a middle of the pack team, uh, 63 points by the Gamecocks and Spencer Rattler, who transferred over from Oklahoma. That is pretty telling. I would actually move Tennessee down, and that's precisely what the coaches poll did. Uh, they have Oregon, Penn State, and Tennessee, 9-10-11 in that order. Also, Penn State, Michigan State's kickoff has been announced for this upcoming Saturday, and got to love those six-day windows. Uh, it is going to be a 4 o'clock kickoff on Fox Sports 1. Uh, this is no surprise to me because Penn State is going to be adjacent to uh, Michigan and Ohio State. That is the big noon game that is going to have the prime broadcast crew of Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, and that kicks off at noon. And what better way to just go right into the next best big, one of the better <laughs> Big Ten matchups that you could ask for, and that's Penn State, Michigan State, in terms of draw drawing viewership and interest. Uh, Penn State opened as an 11-point favorite. That has now jumped to 18-and-a-half points, if you can believe that. And the total is set at 54. So 4 p.m. kickoff for Spartans and Nittany Lions this upcoming Saturday. Uh, I was shocked to see this. The class of 2023 takes a hit. Penn State losing a four-star commitment from a wide receiver, and that is Ajani Shakir, and he comes from Winslow Township High School up in New Jersey. That is actually led by former Penn State running back Bill Belton. He is the head coach, and Christian Hackenberg, former Penn State quarterback, is on that staff as well. Get in the hell. Come on. You push him to the right place, guys. Uh, help help the team out in this. No, but these guys all make their personal decisions. Um, 
I don't have a reason for it. I don't have an explanation for it. I just know that this one stings a little bit because he was one of two wide receiver commits in this class. And let's go back to the second segment where I explained the importance of Manny Diaz. This class of 2023 is now down to 19 commitments and they've had six D commits in this recruiting cycle. But this group is insanely stacked with talent on the defensive side of things. A lot of recruits across the country want to come play for Manny Diaz and this group. And can you blame them? No. So I hope that Manny Diaz sticks around for a long time. Uh, I know that head, co head coaching opportunities will be calling his name. Besides the point, he has impacted this program so much that it didn't take a dip in recruiting. You're actually seeing the defense get even better, being bolstered even more into the future with all the safety and cornerback commits. And I know that's a testament to Anthony Poindexter and Terry Smith as well. These guys want to play with them directly in their position groups. But uh, Manny Diaz is the defensive coordinator and Penn State defense. To play for a Penn State defense is really fun uh, right now. But back to losing the wide receiver recruit, I mean... That was your only other target in this Penn State uh, wide receiver core is going to need some developing uh, after guys like Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington could move on. You have that next crop of talent, but are they going to be loaded enough? Uh, Four-star Carmelo Taylor is still committed. He is the only one. Maybe Penn State can still pick up one in the cycle before National Signing Day comes here in mid-December. And that's early signing day. They still have time uh, in mid-February as well to pick up any additional recruits for the class of 2023. But that is a Johnny Shakir out of New Jersey. He is decommitting from the class of 2023. Uh, and that and that does hurt a little bit for, for Penn State's recruiting. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. We'll continue to dissect Penn State and Rutgers, talk about Penn State men's basketball, Penn State wrestling, and a whole lot more as Penn State looks to go 10-2 and two this upcoming Saturday against Michigan State. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, follow Locked On Nittany Lions on Twitter. Follow my personal account at Zach underscore Seiko on Twitter as well. And if you can subscribe to the YouTube, let's try to get to 300 subscribers before the end of football season. Comment any of your questions. I would be happy to answer them in upcoming episodes. But subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions on YouTube and hit the bell for notifications to stay up to date when I post new videos.